what might be the repercussions of falling through a portal to the world of Fae, being entranced by the Seelie Queen, and then returning to our world to do her bidding? <laughs> well, it's not good. That much, I can tell you. And we'll learn more about that terrible trip in today's episode of Undertale, just after this. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey there, I'm Fred Greenhalgh, and welcome back to Undertow, Realm's podcast of the dark currents that bring you under the surface, into the weird, and the wicked. In case you didn't think Maine was dark and twisted enough already, we have this slicer of a tale, penned and performed by Robert J. LeBlanc. Robert is an award-winning playwright, actor, artist, and producer. His creations include the podcasts of his comedy ensemble, The Balderdash Academy, as well as the Sleuth's Mystery Radio podcast and well, many other projects. Robert's quite prolific. His unique blend of drama and comedy comes to a sharp focus in the story we're going to hear today called Firsts. Uh, note, this is an edgy slasher tale, so if that kind of horror isn't your cup of tea, maybe give this one a pass. But if you are ready for a trip to the dark world and the creatures that inhabit it, let's go experience some Firsts. There you go. Run, yes! Remember to breathe deep. Focus on where you're going. Tripped! Ooh! Watch out for those roots! <laughs> oh, that can be real tough. But at least you had a good excuse. I had one guy who tripped in the parking lot. <laughs> Embarrassing, right? Why are you, why, why are you laying there? I'm like a hundred feet away, come on, get up. Seriously, where's your sense of self-preservation? I have knives, and based on the state of your coworkers, I obviously know how to use them. <laughs> Run! There you go, good for you, you can do this. Don't let me catch you. Give me a first. Ooh, that looked like it hurt. Right into a tree at full speed. Head first at that. 
How you doing, champ? Still with me? Tough break, but I did tell you to look where you were going. Now, I can't say this is going to be quick. It, it can't be quick. But I can tell you that it will be worth your while, okay? <laughs> Great. Let's get to it then. I love my job. I'm a real people person, and my job lets me meet tons of interesting people. You know what I like most about meeting new people? It's always the first time. When you've been in the business as long as I have, you don't get a lot of firsts. It's important to celebrate first. It helps you set milestones in your career. I've been the caretaker of the Greenman camp in O'Baron, Maine for years. Did you know it's an old ranger scout camp? Now it's a private retreat, complete with our own private pond. Greenman Pond is a beautiful place. It is famous for three things. Our laughing loons, our rings of exotic mushrooms, and the hundreds of missing people going back decades. I was one of them! I first came here when I was 13 for summer camp. It was the summer of 1957. <laughs> if you do your math, that is quite a long time ago. Let's just say I don't look my age. Not even half my age, actually. It's one of the perks of the job. I love my job. Like I said, I get to meet new people. Plus, I love that I get to make people laugh for the rest of their lives. And the exercise is great. No more chubby little... Uh... Huh. <laughs> you know what's funny? I used to be able to remember my name back then. Oh well. As you can guess, back when I went to Camp Greenman, I was a chubby kid with anger issues. I like to say that it wasn't my fault. My father came back from Korea as an angry, abusive drunk, and food was my way of coping. My parents thought that a summer at camp would be a good change in my life. They were hoping that I'd pick up some healthy, lifelong habits and lose the anger. And boy, did I! And how! It's all about finding that healthy coping mechanism, you know? I was a lonely kid at camp. Not a loner per se. I, I always think of loners as a social position of choice. Mine was more forced exclusion than ennui. You see, the thing about Camp Greenman is that it wasn't a fat camp. It wasn't designed to help overweight, angry kids. It wasn't set to cater to your feelings. <laughs> it was your normal 1950s summer sleepaway arrangement. It was active boys swimming and fishing and shooting. It was adventure hikes and ghost stories. It was what every American boy in the country wanted in 1957. I hated it. I was fat for a reason. I didn't like the outdoors. I wanted the adventures I saw on TV. I wanted Zorro 
and Gunsmoke. Most of all, I wanted Commando Terra, Earth Marshal of Space. The climate was changing, the Earth was doomed, and only the masked super scientist Commando Terra could save the day. <laughs> uh, weather rays, aliens, I loved it. I wanted to be like that. Special, powerful, chosen for great things. Except I wanted to do it all from a nice cushion seat in my living room. Hence camp. I hated camp. Oh, I, I love it now. But then, I hated it then. That all changed during our first hike. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It very well might have been yesterday. Time is fuzzy for me. We gathered in the camp common for the rules. The same rules we always had. Stay with your group leader. Don't move off the path. Stay away from the mushrooms, and if you get lost, stay where you are. Honestly, I wasn't listening then. Now I know the rules because I've recited them over and over to our guests. Then, I had no clue. I was too busy saving the planet from the alien armada that attacked Commando Terra in my mind. My imagination was quite well-developed. It still is. We started the hike. I had a fat boy stitch in my side and started to fall behind. I wasn't out of shape, so to speak, but my shape was definitely not one a person would consider healthy. A few of the boys started laughing at me. They picked on me all the time and called me names like fat ass, hippo, chubs. <laughs> uh, I killed every one of them. Not really killed them. That would have been distasteful and would have gotten me in an awful lot of trouble. No, I merely imagined them as the alien horde and considered in detail what Commando Terra would have done. It involved knives, then fire. That's when I tripped, or maybe I was pushed. I can't remember the details. They aren't important to my story. What is important is that I fell somewhere else. I could immediately tell that it wasn't made. It looked like Camp Greenman. The pond was where it was, the features roughly similar, but it was different in subtle ways. In the summer, Maine is a palette of brown and gray with the spattering of evergreen needles. This place was different. It was more vibrant. The colors were more, uh, well, colorful. The air was sweet with life and rot. Bodies lay in states of decay, covered in beautiful green, vibrant mosses. Oh, and that music. I knew at once that I was home. It's almost exactly how I pictured the Earth of Commando Terra. 
Everything was alive and dangerous, except for the corpses. Everything was special. The pond was bluer and ringed with bright flowers of real gold. Balloons were there too, but they were glowing with a strange purple and green light, and their calls sounded almost like the wails of a human in eternal torment. It was beautiful. I was lost looking at the magic of this other world when he first spoke to me. You are not afraid, child? No. Why would I be? It's the most beautiful place I'd ever seen. My queen's collection doesn't disturb you. You mean the loons? <laughs> no, they're the most beautiful. And their cries? Like music. Would you like to join them? I would, ever so much. Perhaps in time, but not now. Join me at my queen's court, child. You intrigue me. He was tall and maybe human, but not fully human. He had large almond-shaped eyes that were slanted upward in a way that I'd never seen on anyone before. His sharp pointed beard was a dark brown tinged with green. His ears were almost pointed. A wild mane of brown and green hair erupted from the crown of leaves and thorns that was perched across his brow. He looked like he was dressed like someone in that Robin Hood picture that came out before I was born. His skin was pale and almost green, all except for his hands. His hands were a ruddy brown. Not from the sun, though. They looked stained. Would you like to join me at my queen's court, child? Would you like to meet her and my vassals? I had no idea what he was asking me to do, but I said yes to be polite. Mother always said that a gentleman is always polite to figures of authority, and anyone who looks over a court had to be an authority figure. I guessed he was a judge of some kind. It would be my pleasure, Your Honor. <laughs> Your Honor. Please, child. My vassals call me Your Excellence. My wife calls me the Cursed. I was once called the Green Man and worshipped as a god. Your saints called me the Devil. But alas, my subjects call me the Fool, and that is who you shall know me as. The Fool? Now come. Step with me through to my queen's court. He took my arm in his hands and stepped through a ring of mushrooms that grew at my feet. All at once, we were in a living throne room. It was not built of stone, like in that movie with Danny Kaye, but grown from vines and the tortured trees of the forest. There were a ton of people. Well, monsters, really. There were animal-headed men and women, small creatures that looked like the fool, just not as tall. 
There was a little man with a pointed beard and pale gray skin wearing iron boots. Red-brown paint dripped from his glistening pointed cap. I would have guessed that he was a painter if it wasn't for the blade on the long pole that he carried. The most human-looking person was a tall, gaunt man in a black old-timey suit with those long tails you see conductors in cartoons wear. He had a black sack that jingled and a top hat in one arm. A raven sat on one of his shoulders. I wondered if it pooped on his back. A wicked black mane coon cat with a white skull-shaped patch and the fur of its chest was next to him. It was the size of a mountain lion and sat smiling. They were both with a mob of tiny, naked women with wings. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I could see everything. The fairies, I'm guessing that's what they were, were pulling the feathers out of a small bird man and laughing in high-pitched giggles as it tweet screamed in pain. It was a magical place. Welcome to the Unseely Court, child. I felt like I'd seen all that I'd ever wished to see until I saw her, his queen, sitting in the throne behind the fool. She wore a gown of sheer silk and a veil of spiderwebs covered her face. Her skin was as white as the purest snow. Her hair was as black as the darkest night. I had never seen anyone as beautiful as her. And I could feel my heart break when I realized that I never would again. Would you like to stay here, child? I would very much like to, Your Honor. I, I mean, uh, the, the fool. I, I, I mean, sir. Would you serve me and my queen? Yes, please. Would you be one of my subjects? Yes, yes, please. Let me serve you. Would you swear fealty to us and follow my command in your realm? I would, I promise. I, I think I might have already mentioned that already. My subjects are limited in what they can do on the other side. There are rules, you see, child. Cat she here can only collect those who are buried. When he brings them home, they don't laugh like the others. They only wail in the pond. Robin Redcomb is my prized general. He is the cruelest redcap I know, but even he is limited in your world and can only hunt those who have trespassed in his ruins. My goblins are bound. My bogarts useless in your new world. You, however, are different. You are already broken already of the unseely and therefore mine. You are free to act as you please. Will you serve me, child? I was getting a little miffed now. I mean, come on! How many times did he want me to say yes? I was begging for gosh sakes. Yes, my lord. It really sounds swell. Then give me your name. Billy. I, I mean, uh, William Leon Doniger. Hmm. A fine name, my son. I shall cherish it. 
Of course, my love, my queen. My lady bids you safe passage through these unseely realms. You shall always have her blessing, for the white lady bids it so. You are now marked as the enemy of the other court and are forbidden from traveling therein. Now go with my general and collect your instruments, my keeper of the aviary. Go and collect the souls of my new asylum. Let them run and scream and die in terror, so that they may laugh for eternity on my queen's pond for her amusement. Your king and queen so commands it. Do you ever wonder who's looking over your shoulder when you're exploring the web? Do you want to keep tracking cookies, curious websites, and your internet service provider from sniffing out too much about your browsing activity? What about gaining the ability to virtually travel to different parts of the world and reshape your internet experience? Well, enter NordVPN. NordVPN protects your internet privacy and lets you go borderless. You can experience sporting events and entertainment that aren't available in your region. When you're on the go, NordVPN protects your data while accessing public Wi-Fi, and in tandem with the Nord Threat Protection Service, protects you from malicious downloads, viruses, and phishing sites. Best of all, this protection is laser fast, so avoid buffering and lagging while streaming or gaming, and stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling. If you've never used a VPN before, you may be surprised how much your internet experience is shaped by what country of origin you're believed to be from. I've actually had quite a bit of fun using NordVPN as a learning tool with my kids. We change around our virtual location, go to different countries, revisit familiar websites from a new country of origin, and see how things are different. For the cost of a cup of coffee a month, your NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices. So why wait? Get the best discount off your NordVPN plan by going to nordvpn.com undertow. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com undertow. Hi there. If you're a fan of Undertow, I know you love immersive entertainment. And let's be real, as much as we all love podcasts, nothing is quite the same as going out to see a movie in the theater, the experience of being with friends, getting your popcorn, and the sheer impact of the visual and sound experience exactly as the filmmakers intended. If you crave that experience, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. See any 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And when you want to watch a movie in a premium format like 4DX, IMAX, RPX, or ScreenX, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at reduced cost. And you'll save not just on tickets, you save on snacks with 10% off all non-alcoholic concession items. So if you're planning to see just two movies this month, you need to join Regal Unlimited. Sign up now in the Regal app or on rigmovies.com. That's R-E-G movies.com slash unlimited. Rigmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code UNDERTOW24 and earn 10% off a three-month subscription. Regal Unlimited, the all-you-can-watch movie subscription, pays yourself in just two visits. Sign up now. Code UNDERTOW24. The little general brought me to the armory and handed me two green daggers. They're not steel. I'm actually not sure what they are. They're definitely metal, just not steel or iron. Oh, which is a good thing, too, since I've developed quite the allergy to iron. 
Think of a vampire in sunlight. I mean, it is bad. <laughs> uh, my father had really bad eczema before I killed him, and it was a lot worse than that, let me tell you. Turns out that I'm allergic to iron. And things with a lot of iron in them. <laughs> Except blood, for some reason. Funny how that works, isn't it? So, the red cap gave me the daggers and told me that the fool would notify me when it was time to collect more of the asylum. And not a real asylum, like in Batman, I asked. A group of loons is called an asylum. They're also called a raft, a cry, and a water dance. <laughs> I know! Learning is fun. Apparently, the fool would send his cat to tell me when he needed to gather new members of his collection. His cat. <laughs> Which I thought was strange, but after the night I had, I figured it was the least weird thing that had happened. Anywho, I collected the daggers and he sent me back to here. A except it wasn't back. N not, not exactly. Time works differently there. While it was only a few hours for me, time moved on here. Years, apparently. It was dark when I got back to camp, and so I did what anyone would do. I went back to my cabin. That's when I found out two things. The meaning of the term panty raid, and that it was 1970. In that order. Camp Greenman had gone under after my disappearance, and it was now a co-ed summer retreat for kids from a private college. Time moved on. I didn't. I walked in, they were in various states of undress, they screamed, I panicked, the rest is history. In my defense, the last time I was in there was a few hours ago in 1957. It was just as traumatizing to me as it was for them, I assure you. I was still a 13-year-old kid, so I did what any kid would do when they had the cops called on them for breaking into a woman's cabin after time traveling 13 years in the future had them call my parents. It took a while since I couldn't remember my name or retain it if someone gave it to me, but they eventually figured it out. You can guess how awkward that conversation went. <laughs> oh, I mean, you send your kid away to summer camp for 13 years and he comes back the same age and still a porker. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. They didn't believe it. Well, he didn't believe it. My mother died a few years earlier from some brain thing. I don't know what it was called. Brain cataclysm or something like that. It was apparently from stress. My father refused to believe that I was his son. He accused me of trying to take advantage of him. <sighs> he was old, so I didn't mind until they sent me to something called juvenile detention. That was not fun. I spent a few months there until I was able to be placed in a nice foster home in Maine. The Libbies. Nice people. I didn't kill them. Time passed and so too did my overly long bout of puberty. 31 years by the calendar. I was 18, an adult and ready to get on with my aviary duties. That was all I thought about. I've never dated or had a girlfriend. It's just that once you've seen the perfection of the unseelie queen, the definition of beauty changes. The world seems dull by comparison. 
On Halloween in the next year, I ended up getting a call from an old friend. Okay, he showed up unannounced. The old guy from the Queen's Court? Turns out he was her chamberlain. He arrived by stepping onto the closet in my crappy one-room apartment in Rumford. And I never actually spoke to him before, but we had the same boss, so technically we were work friends. It counts. The Queen's Chamberlain came through and purchased the old camp. The college went under and it came on the market. Whether he had anything to do with it or not, I can't tell you. But it was now ours, and I was its new caretaker. And boy, was I ready for it. My new gifts did more than just slow my aging and give me a bad case of hives if I touch steel. It also gave me a ton of energy. I lost weight, put on muscle, and boy, did it increase my stamina. I was a vegan now, too. I just felt wrong hurting wild creatures while I hunted down my unwilling blood sacrifices to my extraplanar lord. I was a changed man. The first thing I did after getting the news was clean up loose ends. I was raised to be a respectful kid by my parents, and so I gave a full month's notice to my landlord. Speaking of my parents, I wanted to patch things up with my dad. It was 1975, and for the last 18 years, he believed that he lost his son. He actually lost his wife. I checked since he had a habit of misplacing family members. I still loved him despite all of his abusive, abandoning faults. So I wanted to do the right thing. Her bail is currently set at $1 million. I returned to my old house in Kennebunkport. I'd forgotten how rich we were then, even in the recession. I guess we were even rich in the 50s, too. We did have all the latest televisions. I'm coming. Keep your pants on. The hell do you want at this time of... D Son? I was startled at how much his voice sounded like mine. <laughs> I guess it's true what they say about genetics. Hi, Dad. Do you remember me? Billy. My poor Billy. Of course I remembered you. I knew you then, when, when you came back. I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. Why, Dad? Why did you send me away? Because you killed her, Billy. She lost her little fat shit, and she never stopped looking for you. She stopped being home, stopped taking care of me. Stopped everything. All because you were a little brat and ran away. I didn't run away, Dad. Do you think I'm going to believe you? When she couldn't find you, she sank into a deep depression, and it killed her. You killed her, Billy. You. No, Dad, I came back. And what good did that do? You should have stayed dead. I could see that we were going to have to work some things out. Then I remembered that he wasn't angry, just sad. He deserved to feel happy again. 
So I figured if there was anyone who deserved to be able to spend a lifetime laughing, it was him. The fool gave me instructions on how to collect people for his laughing asylum, and so I figured a little practice couldn't hurt. To my surprise, the blades were already in my hand. I don't remember pulling them or even having them, but there they were, which is a good thing because asking him to stay put while I went to look for something to kill him with would have been an uncomfortable conversation in the least. <laughs> uh, he couldn't run on account of his arthritis, but he did scramble and scream. In the end, he died in torment, just like the fool commanded. When his soul left his body, a green and purple glow grew from the weird metal of the blades, and I could hear the laughing cries of the loons on Greenman Pond. <sighs> I'm glad I could start work so close to home. It was a good day. The first time I saw the cat was in the summer of 1983. I'd rented out the camp to a small B-movie horror skin flick. It was the type of movie you'd end up seeing on some After Dark show on Late Night Cable. The kind with lots of blood boobs and bad dialogue, you know the type. I was taking the trash to the dumpster when I heard movement behind me. Human, you look delicious. I had no idea how to respond to that, so I decided to be polite and go with hospitality. Hello, cat? K kitty? Should I get you some milk? I, I really don't know how this is supposed to work. Kitty, I have flayed men for less. You are lucky that you have her blessing. Look, I don't mean to offend you, it's just I'm not really sure how this is supposed to work. Do you have a job for me? Now a liege bids you to deliver your blades unto the players upon your stage. That's the problem with these creatures. They just can't tell you what they want. It's always poetry or riddles or tortured verse. I decided that the best course of action was to be as direct and clear as possible. So I rallied up my nerve and asked what he meant in my most diplomatic manner. What? Collect the mamas of the light and the false idols, the players of lies and deceptions. Again, I really have no idea what you're talking about. Kill the filmmakers with your verdant blades and send them to laugh and sing for our queen's pleasure. Or I'll bless you with pain so exquisite that it will be unlike anything your mortal flesh has beheld. See, was that so hard? If you ever lose her blessing, human, I shall feast on your soul. Noted. Mortal men, best dead than fed. Make it so, Keeper, and send their souls to laugh for the Queen. I'm fairly certain that Cat Sheed doesn't care for me much. It doesn't bother me either way. I've never been much of a cat guy. I didn't start straight away. I had chores to finish and a light dinner to prepare. 
I also wanted to really stretch out first. In the movies, you always see the slashers jump right in and go for the kill. It's never that easy. This can really take its toll on you if you don't properly limber up first. You don't want to pull a muscle or pop a tendon during the hunt. All I'm saying is that this job has a lot of benefits. Healthcare isn't one of them. My first harvest was the easiest. <laughs> it was the leading lady and the lighting guy. At least I think that's what he did for the production company. I'm not good at identifying positions. In the film industry, that is. Other positions I'm fine with. Like the missionary position, which is what I caught them in. People who have sex in horror movies die first for a reason. There's an efficiency to it. It's honestly one of the most realistic parts of the whole genre. Depending on the position, there's a good chance that a hard stab to the right place could easily get two souls with one knife, so to speak. I mean, it's not like they can easily get up and run away. They're usually a little distracted, if you know what I mean. Yes, the soul's laughter on the pond won't be as intense, but sometimes you need to take the stab and dash twofer for what it is. An efficient kill. Plus, there's a chance that one of the two partners might be fun to look at. Not in this case, though. In this case, all I got was a hairy butt. Eh, such is life. What? I said that the beauty of the white lady dulled life. It didn't kill it entirely. Speaking of killing it entirely, my next harvest was the caterer. He was asleep in his truck. I instinctively knew that I had to wake him up. I could get away with a quick stab and dash and a pinch, but this was about professionalism. There's something to say about following protocol. Run, scream, die in terror is not a hard list to follow. It's all about taking pride in your work. He ran as best as he could. He, he was a little overweight, so he had a difficult time with stamina. I felt for him. I really did. I remember what it was like to be on the heavy side. I tried to help him out a little. I paced just behind him. I, I wanted him to feel like he was doing a good job and could maybe escape. Hope is important in a person's journey, and I was proud of him for how fast he was moving. Until he tripped. They always trip, don't they? I mean, I get it. it. It happens, especially on those forest trails. Those routes even get me sometimes. But, but this was in the parking lot. I mean, come on! There, there wasn't anything to trip on. It's a big, flat, graveled surface. A toddler could sprint on it without tripping. To be frank, I was a tad miffed and maybe a little vindictive. After all, I was trying to help the guy out, and he goes and trips on me. When I started, I went slow. The blades were sharp, the screams were loud and long, and it, it should have been over far sooner, but I was taking my time. Here's a little professional tip that I'm certain can be used in any industry. If there's something about what you're doing at work that makes you angry, take some time and savor the parts of the job that you enjoy. Take a moment to appreciate the process. It really is about the little things. 
Next came the director in his cute PA. He tried to run to the lake. She tried to hide in the boathouse. I caught her first and tied her up. Another professional tip. Sometimes it's okay to set a project aside to approach them one at a time. In this case, I discovered that ropes made an excellent way to organize my workflow. He went down in a whimpering mess. He was really pathetic. The green and purple glow of my knives was disappointing to see after that. After all, I'm giving him the gift of eternal laughter, and all he can do is just lie there and take it? Fight back, at least. Give me something to work with. At least be a part of the ensemble. The PA was completely different. She was a runner. That was an exciting chase. I thought she was going to get away. She almost did, too. In the end, it was a bad trip on a forest trail that ended her escape. Trips, right? The blades were pleased after her harvest. They glowed with the brightest greens and purples of any of the cast and crew that day. They loved a proper chase almost as much as a slow torment. Fun fact, when I was little, I thought the past tense of glowed was glue. I did. I almost slipped and said that right now, in fact. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would have been? (laughs) Uh, See, we are having fun. Speaking of fun, the lead actor in the costumer was another twofer, quick stab and dash. The cinematographer ran a little, but mostly just cowed and begged. I hate when they do that. I'm just trying to do my job here. Enough with the guilt trip. I'm just trying to make a living. (laughs) The makeup artist tried to hide by dousing himself in fake blood. The fake blood wasn't very convincing, but I really did appreciate his creativity. I took my time with the cutting. I figured after trying to replicate it for a career, it would be a real treat for him to see it up close and personal like that. (laughs) The stunt coordinator was the real difficult one. Unlike the other members of the crew and myself at the time, he really knew how to fight. He beat the living heck out of me. I was bloodied, bruised, and certain bones had been broken. (laughs) I learned that I could really take a beating that day. It's part of the gift that the Queen bestowed on me. Through the decades that I've been doing this, I've been beaten, stabbed, even shot a few times. (laughs) Once in the head. Can you believe it? (laughs) I'm not going to lie, that one hurt. (laughs) But I got up. I don't know if it works like that on the outside of camp, but I'm not going to find out. The fight eventually ended. (laughs) You you know how the saying goes, never bring fists to a knife fight. Or or was it never bring knives to a gunfight? It seems wrong, though. I don't know. Anyway, as the bodies fell, the knives glowed brighter, and the, the calls of the loon became stronger and louder. Their laughter echoed across the pond. It was wonderful. I know that I cause pain. I know that I hurt people, but I'd like to think I'm like a surgeon removing a cancerous tumor. It can be painful, but in the end, it's worth it. Yes, they have to go through a chase, pain, and torment, but in the end, they laugh for eternity. 
I think it's a nice trade-off. The ghouls came next. It was my first time seeing them. They were corpse-eaters from the Queen's Court, and they made short work of the evidence. There's a reason why the missing people are never found at Greenland Camp. So you see, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I am a professional after all. You now know all of my firsts. My first meeting with a fool, my first time at the Queen's Court, my first kill, first collection, first time seeing the corpse-eaters. Firsts! Firsts come less and less as the years move on, but I think you can help with another. Would you like to try? You really don't have a choice, I just thought it was polite to ask. I, I saved you for last for a reason. You're fast. Much faster than the others were. Oh, oh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, didn't you know? You're the last of your group. The rest have moved on to join the asylum. Can you hear their laughter? That will be you in a little while. Isn't that exciting? But it might be you. You have a chance to escape. You have a chance to give me another first. I'm going to untie you, and I want you to run. Now, I have ways of making you run if you don't. They're unpleasant, and I'd hate to ruin the trust that we built here, so don't make me do it. You will run, and I will chase you. You might even be the first to escape. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, I have faith in you. I think you can do it, and I'm excited to see you try. Have a little hope. It means so much in times like these. Before I untie you, I have to tell you that if I catch you, I can't make it quick. It's not how any of this works. In order to free your soul, I need the chase, the pain, and the torment. I can't make it quick, but I can make it worth your while. After only a few minutes of torment, you'll have an eternity laughing for my queen. One more thing. I just wanted to say that it's been a real treat meeting you. Like I said, I'm a real people person, and you have been delightful. Thank you. Now run. Well, that was uh, more than a rip current. That was a, a maelstrom, a, a massacre, a tort of force of malevolent force. So, riddle me this. What were these three episodes of Undertow Ripples all about? Well, all the writers are connected to Maine. All seem to have things set in the deep, dark woods. And all are part of creating the next season of our Sharp Tooth podcast as Undertow goes into our next original series called Blood Forest. Stay tuned here to Undertow, because next week we are entering the Blood Forest, and you do not want to miss that. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Firsts was written and performed by Robert J. LeBlanc. Sound design and music editing by Carlin Daigle. Produced by Dagaz Media. Undertow is a production of Realm, hosted by Fred Greenholch. Produced by Mary Azadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Fred Greenholge, Molly Barton, and Marcy Wiseman. Theme, Dark Rumbling, by Hubert Campbell. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Undertow by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.